0: Well, just when you think winter is over, we get a curve. I think we might have still more cold weather yet. Let's prepare ourselves this morning in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer, the option of naming privately to God the Father any unconfessed sins which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness, for our opportunity to be here so that we can grow in grace and knowledge. We pray that You will help us to focus, to take anything that might be intruding upon our concentration and set it aside. For what we do here is the most important thing that we do. So we pray that You will help us to do that for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. (coughs) I'm going to show you Uh, this morning an email that I actually got this morning, and I don't usually do that, but I thought you would uh, appreciate it. George, would you kill the lights? Do we have the TV on over here? Okay. Um, For the people that are going to be on the internet, what I'm going to show in this email is mostly visual, so you won't know what's going on essentially until You see it. Kill these lights too, George. There you go. Okay. In life and longevity, be nice to others because time will make a difference. I think you dog lovers will appreciate this anyway. One day you will no longer be the big dog, just the old dog. And it's nice to be surrounded by friends, sent by an old dog to dear friends. (laughs) Okay, George, you can turn the lights back on. Some of us have already learned that. If you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I know I'm teaching Joshua, but we'll make the connection. Maybe today excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 1 therefore let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Now, I didn't read what I have in the notes that I have on the board. I just read it as you see it in the New American Standard. You'll notice that on the board I have Let Us Fear in blue. Oh, it's not up there. Okay, thank you. I guess you're not noticing it. What we have up here is blue. There are four... Hortatory subjunctives in Hebrews in chapter 4. And it really sets the pace for what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say. We'll say, see more about that before. The Greek here for fear is phobeo, F-O-B-E-O, P-H-O-B-E-O. F in the English. It's an heiress, passive subjunctive. Now, the, the it's first of all a hortatory conjunction is uh, has the force of a command, but it's not more. It's, it's more of an exhortation than it is a command. It's like, do this with me. Let us fear. And it should strike you right off the bat. This is different. Because usually the Bible is telling us not to fear. Are y'all warm? No, okay. I have some people saying no, some people saying it. I don't. Know. Okay. Um, so it, it should grab our attention the fact that this says, "Let us fear, so that while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to come short of it. Normally, when something comes into your life that is fearful, something that is unpleasant, something you would rather not face, the normal thing that we do is become afraid. That's as normal as breathing. But the Bible tells us not to fear. That kind of fear comes within us. It would be like the active voice. This is something that's coming from us. But this fear is in the passive voice, so this is something that we must receive. And the only way that we're going to have that type of fear is for us to recognize something about promises that are in the Bible. And I guess you could put it this way. We're all going to fear. It's our nature to fear. God recognizes that. But He does not want us to be afraid of the problem whatever it may be. He wants us to be afraid, not just of him, that is that we should have a respect and an awe. And this kind of fear isn't talking about that kind of fear, and it, we should have that also to God. But this isn't talking about being afraid that if you don't, if you don't walk the straight and narrow, as they say, if you're not being obedient, then we should be afraid of His discipline. That's true, but that's not what this is about. This kind of fear is the kind of fear that we would not be able to enter His rest. And the only way that you have that fear is it, it, it comes from God. And it is a good fear. This is a, something righteous. That's why we have to kind of tweak our, our brain a little bit because we're so accustomed saying, don't fear, trust Lord. This time, God is telling us Himself, be afraid. Therefore, let us fear. And it is a healthy fear of not claiming promises, not entering His rest. So whenever we have a problem, if you can remember this, whenever you start being afraid, and you're going to be afraid. I mean, we can, especially the guys, we can strut about like John Wayne and act like nothing ever uh, really gets to us, but it does. We just don't show it. You know, a woman, uh, maybe even some men, you know, they see a mouse and, you know, jump on the chair and this type of thing. And a guy might, oh, well, you go, know, it's just a mouse, you know. Inside his heart might be going like this. <laughs> um, so this comes from God, and it is a healthy fear. And what God is telling us, look, I have the problem covered. So when you have a tendency to go on the alert and be afraid, have this kind of fear. Fear not entering a rest, the rest that I have for you and, and com- coming short of a promise. And you know why that's not divine discipline? I mean, if you, don't, if you don't fear of entering His rest and claiming a promise, God is not going to discipline you for that. You know why? You discipline yourself. Because if you're not what we call faith resting, if you have fallen short of the promise to faith rest, you are your own worst enemy. You're the one that's producing the misery in your life because you've you've not feared of what God says not is only okay to fear. What we have the writer of Hebrews doing here is let us, Join me in being afraid that we might come short of faith resting. That's essentially what he's saying. there. So, we're going to be afraid, but let's be afraid of the right thing, is what the the writer is saying. Now, the subjunctive mood means it's only a potential. Whether you're going to be afraid of... Thank you. Okay. Um, just ignore the guy behind the curtain. <laughs> so, entering his rest, any one of you should seem to come short of it. You'll see I have a note under there. Uh, to have come short of it is the Greek word hu- stereo. U H U S T E R E O. And it's an infinitive and it's a perfect active infinitive. Now, anytime you have a perfect tense, we tend to pause because a perfect tense means that something takes place in the past and the results go on and on. And so, if you come short of a promise, you come short of not faith resting, then what's going to happen is it's going to have repercussions that go on and on, right into the The present time, so is it done? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I don't know why I've seen a lot of peas I don't how to hold that. It's nice to have a backup, Brett. Thank you. I mean, a good backup. One that knows what he's doing. Okay. Uh, so, we have... If someone does this... Oh, by the way, the definition of Hyustereo uh, is to miss out on something through one's own fault. To lack or fail, or come short of something. You see, this is from the uh, Zodiotes, uh dictionary on the New Testament. That's not my words, that's his. So you can't blame anyone for shum- uh, coming short of a promise. So uh, how? How do we fall short of a promise and entering into his rest? Well, we'll check out the next verse. Verse 2, For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Now I said that a perfect tense is kind of gets your attention, and we have two perfect tenses in this verse. You'll notice here, for indeed, we have preached the good news to us. This preached to us is a perfect passive participle. And what this means is it. when you have it, the, the word preached to you, there are ongoing results with that action. Right now, there are things that you might learn. There might be pieces of the puzzle that are critical for you in your life, and your spiritual life that are going to be covered today. And that means that the Word is being preached to you, but it's not just being preached to you in a present tense. The perfect tense means the fact that it was preached to you will have ongoing effect from now on because it changes the way you think. That's the first perfect tense. Just as they also... By the way, who is the they? In context we've seen that this is contrasting the first generation of Exodus, the the people then that refused to cross the river and go into the land of Canaan with what is available to us. So they had good news preached to them, uh, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united, again, a perfect uh, participle, By faith in those who heard it. So we have two perfect participles here. First of all, when the word goes out, when it's preached, it has ongoing effect. And then when it is united by faith to those who heard it. In other words, you hear it, and that's one thing that has ongoing effect. Second is believing it. When you unite it with faith, then it has ongoing benefits. It's going to benefit you. So you have two perfect tenses there. We call uniting our faith with God's promises simply faith rest. Because what we do is we take not only the individual promises that God has given us, but we have other rationales that we can incorporate into our thinking that is going to allow us to not come short of entering that rest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. And he's gone back all the way to the Exodus generation. They had this rest available to them. But they, fought, they fell short of it. They heard the good news, but it didn't profit them because they didn't unite that good news with faith. And so we call it, Faith rest. The rest that we have doesn't mean that you're going to have an easy week of work or that someone is going to miraculously come in and do all your house chores and they're going to weed the garden and cut the grass and wash the dishes. No, we still have those things, those duties to do. But the rest that takes place is where you need it the most, and that's up here in your soul. Because if it's right in your soul... It doesn't even matter if you are tired, if you don't have that much energy. In your soul, if it's at rest, you can enjoy everything you do in life. I don't care if it's uh, washing dishes or scrubbing toilets. You can be uh, whistling zippity-doo-dah while you're cleaning the toilet if you have rest up here. Some of us whistle just about all the time anyway. Some of us kooks. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest just as he has said. And uh, that's a, when he has said, this is a quote from Psalm ninety five eleven. Here's the quote. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. So it's only, you notice the first part. For we who have believed enter that rest. If you have your Bible open, I want you to underline that. Put a circle around it. The rest is still available. This is the message of the writer of Hebrews. This rest that was available to the Exodus generation that didn't profit them is still available to us. But the only way that you can have that peace is through belief. You enter it through believing. But he says, just as he said, now we have that was the kind of the good part. Uh, The bad part is, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Because if you try to enter that rest, if you try to turn off the noise in your soul, that static that goes on when there are mental attitude sins lurking about, you will never enter his rest. The only way that you can enter his rest is to be humble and believe. In what God says, just something just occurred to me. Let me go back up here for just a moment. Yeah. Back here, we were talking about, therefore, let us fear, so that while a promise remains of entering his good rest, I forgot to tell you that. That's the good news. The good news is that promise of entering his rest is still available to us. Lest any one of you may seem to come short of it. That's the bad news. So I think I might have told you this recently, but I think I'll tell you again. You know about the good news and the bad news. Um, the doctor, I mean, this man went to the doctor and he said, uh, I got your report back and I, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And the guy said, well, uh, give me the good news first. He says, Well, you have an uh, uh, un- in- incurable disease and you'll have only one day to live. <laughs> I said, That's the good news? And he said, Yeah. He said, Well, what's the bad news? He said, I should have told you yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that with good news and bad news. So we do have that before us, though. We have good news that this rest is still available to us, even though so many people have missed it. Uh, But the bad news, you can come short of it. Of course, the way you come short of it is by not believing not only God's promises, but the fact that there is even such type of rest. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said. Now, Now, that would be... The good news again there, but now we have the bad news. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. No one can enter enter that rest. Everybody wants to have peace of mind. Everybody wants to have peace and security in their mind and have confidence and courage. However, it doesn't come automatically. The only way that you can have that is to recognize that God has a way to turn off that fear of the problem and turn on the fear of not entering that rest. And we'll see how that, more about that in a moment. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now I know that I'm repeating this, but I'm bringing in new information about this that I think is pertinent. If you'll remember, his works. What is his works that were finished before the foundation of the world? Here's some terms for it. Escrow blessings, you find this in Ephesians 1, 3. Super grace blessings, you find this in James chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Or you could call it abundant life, John 10, 10. So these things, his works, in other words, everything that will make you complete, confident, happy, fearless when it comes to problems, have the... The courage and the confidence, all of that can be really expressed in escrow blessings. We said that God in eternity past has already created a, a personalized, customized package for you. Your name is on it. And it is that place where you can have the abundant super grace, everything that you want. And see, we can we can imagine in our own souls what we want, what will make us happy. I don't know. We might have some football fans in here today. You might think the thing's going to make you happy is if your Super Bowl team wins. Well, I don't care about either one of them. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to try to hold this down because I could get off on a tangent here, but I want to say something about the Super Bowl. You know what the Super Bowl is? It's a football game. And some people tend to miss that fact. It's just another football game. You know how much a ticket cost when they first started the Super Bowl? What what is this? Forty what? Forty-six? Forty-six? Forty-six years ago? A ticket to the first Super Bowl cost $12. $12. You know what it costs today? $1,200. And that's up in the nosebleed area, way up high. Um, I I, I would like to just give a whole lesson on the Super Bowl, but I won't. By the way, you can watch the Super Bowl. It's not a sin. You could pay $1,200 to go to the Super Bowl. That's not a sin. You could buy a $45 program or however much they cost, and you could have all the regalia on, uh, that's not a sin either. But you know what? It's not going to mean a thing to you if the noise is still going on up here. If you don't understand what I'm teaching here, all of that, you can even if your team won the Super Bowl and you left, you would be empty and you would be miserable if you don't know how to faith rest because you're going to be worried and the slightest little thing is going to set you up. It could be a call from a referee. It could be somebody that wore a big hat and you can't see in front of you. Whatever whatever it is. You could slip and fall and spill your $10 beer, whatever you got. I said I wouldn't, I'll just move on. <laughs> you could see where I could go with that. All right, so we have uh, super grace blessings. You know, we have logistical grace blessings that we all have. But God wants us to have that extra measure of grace. You cannot have super grace blessings. You cannot live the abundant life. Your escrow blessings are not going to be released to you from God if you don't know how to faith rest. And if you go around carrying your words and your problems always, it's that... uh, Noise that goes on on your soul, I have a phone at home that is one of those landlines you know some of us still have those, and uh, I wired it up uh, the little box that you know the little box that you plug it in, and I have it uh I actually twisted all the wires together and I kind of it's behind the behind the furniture, so I didn't even bother about Hiding it. And um, when we're using the phone sometimes, I'm, I'm trying to hear somebody. I'm here. All in the background, see. That's what this static is like. You could be getting the best news. Maybe I won the lottery. Oh, no, I couldn't have because I never played. But I have as much <laughs> as anybody. <laughs> Whatever the good news is, and that going on just will make you grind your teeth. So we won't. You've got to turn that off and uh, none of these things are going to happen until you understand what I'm teaching. That's why I'm going slow enough so you will get it, that you will have it emblazoned upon your soul that this is important. Anytime that God tells you through his word, the writer of Hebrews, come along with me and let us be afraid, boy, that gets our attention. Because if you don't, the reason why should we be afraid is because if we don't do this, the noise is going to go on. And we're not going to be able to enjoy life. We want to be able to rely on the Lord. What did David say when he was seeing big Mouth Goliath? He looked at him right in the eye. The battle is the Lord's. Now, that's the rest for you. Uh, Verse 5. Did I finish verse 4? Let's see. Yeah, his works were finished... In other words, all this was done. That package is either already being released to you. I think it has to be released incrementally because if God just dumped all those blessings on you, I don't think we could take it. It'd be We would just be, uh, well, what did he die of? Well, he had died of ecstatics. God dumped a whole load of escrow blessings on him and it just stopped his heart. So we have to have it. God just does it as we can take it. It's it's so great. Um, verse four and five. Now, for He had said somewhere, actually, it was in Genesis chapter two, verse two, uh, chapter two, verse two, concerning the seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day from all His works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter My rest. So what we see in here. Is we've gone over this. God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because everything was completed. It had it had there's nothing else for him to do. So he didn't leave anything out. And again, we just saw this in the earlier passage. They shall not enter my rest. Who is the they? Those who are not afraid of missing or coming short of a promise. Those who really don't give a hoot about trusting the Lord. You can't enter the rest. You can try any other method, but the only way that you are going to ever have this rest, this peace in your soul, is to believe in God's and His promises. Verse 6. Therefore, since it, and the it there is the rest, write it in there so you'll know. You can call it rest or faith rest. This is the good news. Therefore, since it, the rest, remains for some, the some is referring to us, it's still available to us, to to enter it. And those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. So we have it again. It's still available to us. Some have missed it because of disobedience. Only the disobedience isn't disobedience. The word is apatheo. A P A T H E I O. And it means an unwillingness to be persuaded, willful unbelief, obstinacy. They were so obstinate. They were so hard-hearted. They were so stubborn. They would not believe God and cross the river. And because of it, God took them out over a period of 20 years or 40 years. Verse 7. He, referring to God, again fixes a certain day. It's still available to us. And what day is it available to us? What does it say? Today! Today! I think this is bigger news than a Super Bowl. And I'm not going to go down that route again, but there's a lot of empty chairs here today. I'm, hmm. Okay. Uh, he again fixes that certain day today, saying through David. Now, David said this in Psalm 95 7, after so long the time in other words from the exodus generation to David's generation it was around 400 years and what he said was just as it just as had it has been said before now what he's saying here this is really important in this verse today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts now what he's saying is this has been said before you know how many times it's been said before four times It's been said in Psalm 95.7, Hebrews 3.8, Hebrews 3.15, and now in Hebrews 4.8, these exact words have been repeated. And when the Bible repeats an exact phrase four times, it's getting your attention, or it should get your attention. And here it is. Number one, you see the little red one there? I'll correlate with that with something in a moment. Today, if you hear His voice, now that hearing his voice is only a potential. It's called a subjunctive mood in the Greek. You, maybe you will, or maybe you won't. But today, if you hear his voice, and I have it a little there in brackets, what it's talking about? It's talking about taking in doctrine. Whether you, where you, what you're doing in doing now is taking in doctrine. Whether you read it, whether you hear it on the radio, on a DVD, whatever. Today, if you, harden, uh, excuse me, if you hear his voice. Number two, do not harden your hearts. That means to be negative to doctrine. Here's the thing. You can be negative in two ways. First of all, you can be negative towards hearing the doctrine. And this is what wipes out most people right here. Because they're too busy. They have too many other things to do. They don't have time to listen to someone to tell them that they have something available to them today that they can do, that they can use, that's going to revolutionize their life. They don't have to be afraid of the problem anymore. They can faith rest. But a lot of people are too busy. They don't have time to listen. They don't show up. They don't read their Bible. They don't. Get on the Internet or plug in a DVD or whatever else. So the first thing that you could, according to this, and remember God said this four times. He gives this in His Word. If you hear His voice, and that's only potential. Now, my hat goes off to you because you're here. You're hearing the voice today. That's great. But, you knew that but was coming. I don't know, maybe you didn't. But there is a but. Because you can be negative to the doctrine that is being taught. Just because you're here doesn't automatically mean that you, and by the way, you have to make a conscientious decision that you're going to trust God, that you're going to enter that rest. And when you do that, then, boy, it's just, it's just a... In your, you know what your soul does when you faith rest? Boy, does it need that rest. But if the doctrines being taught are not penetrating, if you're sitting there thinking, I wish you had brought up the Super Bowl because now my mind's on the Super Bowl and all I can think about is the Super Bowl, then you're going to come short of it. Negative coalition can disconnect also what he's saying. So God is telling us today, today, if you hear his voice, you're hearing his voice. Do not harden your hearts. Don't turn it off. Sometimes it's just, well, I don't believe that. There are people who come here with a worldview. We call that a narrative. They come here, meta-narrative. excuse me. They come here with preconceived ideas, and they want to go to a church that teaches exactly what they believe. And the first time that a pastor says something contrary to that, they don't even listen. They tune off, and they're out of here. And that's negative volition of when the doctrine is being taught. Do you understand the two things that you can, you can shut down? According to this verse in Hebrews chapter 4, God says, today, if you hear His voice, I hope you do, do not harden your hearts. Because if you do, you'll never enter that rest. Verse 8. Ah, wow. Verse 8, we get to Joshua. Here's the connection. I can see y'all are so excited. Uh, Verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, and this is a second-class conditional clause, and he did not, he would not have spoken, that would be the Holy Spirit speaking through David in Psalm 95, 7. He would not have spoken of another day. And what is that day? Today. After that, that is after Joshua's time. In other words, Joshua was a, a great leader, and he was able to give the Israelites a measure of of rest from their enemies. and that's what started. that uh, Joshua eleven twenty three is when we got off on what is he talking about? I didn't want you to think about that rest had anything to do with the type of rest we're talking about. And now we're over here in Hebrews chapter 4, and the writer of Hebrews thought this was so important, I better talk about Joshua. I better tell him that Joshua was not talking about the rest that God is offering that's available today. Joshua <coughs> excuse me, uh, had a measure of rest from their enemies, and it was just temporary. It wasn't over all the land. So... Joshua didn't give that rest, and even David didn't give that rest. See, when David spoke of it, means that that rest was still available in David's time, and now the writer of Hebrews is saying, guess what? It's even available to in our time today. We can obtain the rest that is faith rest that they missed out on. It is ours for the taking. Do you want it? That's the question. It's yours if you want it. Isn't that wonderful the way God has planned things? He gives us the information, and He tells us how to accomplish something, and then He just says, "Okay, there it is. Do you want it or not?" If what I'm teaching today is not important to you, you will just discount it. You'll leave. You'll forget it, and you'll you'll have you'll not turn the static off up in your soul. But if you want it, it's there for the taking. What do you do? You have to. Be afraid that you're going to miss it. Nobody likes to miss out on anything, do they? The strongest sales technique there is, and I was taught by some of the best sales trainers there were. One of them was Zig Ziglar. What will motivate people more than anything else is afraid that they're going to miss out on something. Have you ever bought a car? You, go, you think that you car dealers don't know that? Well, it's here right now. I don't know. It might be gone tomorrow. Yeah, but I want to think about it. Okay, go ahead, but I'm just saying. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Hebrews 4, 9. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, I've got all this. I'm not even going to get into that. I'm running out of time. Uh, The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. What it means is uh, God created the Sabbath to remind us that we need to rest. For the Jews, that Sabbath was not even any physical work, nothing. Just rest because God was saying, I've got it covered. All you have to do is trust me. Don't worry about your work today. Don't go to work. Don't do anything. You just rest and have gratitude that you have a God that has your back covered. That's what the Sabbath is about. Verse 10. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from His works as God did from His. Now, what does this mean? What is he talking about? If you entered His rest, then you are resting like God rested. And God rested because everything was complete, right? Is all your work complete? That's not a trick question. You always look so scared when I ask you a question. You look skeered. I'm just saying, do you have work that's not finished? Yeah, we do. do. So how can we relate to this? For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Now, God God rested because his work was completed. I know my work isn't done. I've got so much work that needs to be done, I can't even make a to-do list. Carrie can't even make a to-do list. Have you ever gone and had a project that you just kind of stood and you looked like this? And you, where did I begin? Where did I start? So how can we relate to this verse? Are you ready? Okay. When a believer faith rests, he no longer trusts in himself to solve his problems because he trusts God to intercede on his behalf. He knows the battle is the Lord's. He stops worrying and fretting, conniving and scheming, and he, he has a peace of mind and gratitude for the Lord. I'll give you these other verses in just a minute. Here's, 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 here's some keys. These are, these are nuggets here for you. Before you faith rest, you reap what you sow. After you faith rest, you reap what God sows. So which would you rather reap? What you sow or what God sows? And here's the answer to the question that I posed. When you faith rest, you've done everything that is needed just as God did on the seventh day of creation. Do you get it now? Look at this. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works. Okay, we understand that, but it says just as God did from His, God rested because everything that he needed to do was done. And what this verse is saying is when you faith rest, everything that you need to do has been done. But you say, Yeah, but wait a minute, I still have this and I this and this and this. got all that. No. That's not what it's about. What you need to do, all you need to do is faith rest, and now you're gonna reap what God sows. It's in his hands now. You get it? Your work is completed when you faith rest spiritually. You got that? That is huge, isn't it? I mean, I love it. I love our God. I love our God that says, hey, you want to know what you need to do in order to complete your mission as a a believer in Jesus Christ? Yes, Lord. What do I need to do? Faith rest. What else? Faith rest. Yeah, but what about faith rest? Your job is completed spiritually when you faith rest. Okay, I'm going to end it with this. Oh, I have more time, I think. Okay. How about that? You know, <coughs> I'm always battling the clock. <laughs> if they had me, y'all remember the, the TV show Beat the Clock? Remember that? They'd never have me as a contestant because to me beating the clock <laughs> <laughs> they'd have me on there probably if, I, if the clock beat me, I'd beat the clock. Uh, anyway. Uh, where's my verses? Oh, here they are. Okay. I've got them small. I know you probably can't see them. But what I'm going to do, get your pencil ready. We've been talking about all these things. Don't worry that you can't see them because I'm going to read them to you. What you need to do is get the addresses and read them. Absorb them. Later. First one is Hebrews chapter thirteen verse five. I <laughs> I've got a of my glasses on to see it myself. Uh Hebrews thirteen five. I will never desert you nor will I ever forsake you. Huge. Deuteronomy thirty one, six be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Where was that repeated? In what book? Joshua chapter 1, remember? Joshua was repeating what Moses had said there. Verse 18, Deuteronomy 31, uh, excuse me, not 18, 8. Deuteronomy 31, 8. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear. Fear or be dismayed. Look at all the do not fears here. That's why I said Hebrews 4:1 jumps out at you when God said, when uh, the, or the writer of Hebrews said, uh, "Let us fear." Horatory subjunctive. Come, come along with me. Let us fear. It's kind of ha- it has the force of a, a imperative. Psalm 37:25. I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken are his descendants begging bread. What kind of grace is that describing? Logistical grace. Isaiah 41.10, which just happens to be my favorite. I'm I'm, going to say it not like it is here, but the way that I know it. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will help thee, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Again, it starts with fear not. This is, this is all relating to the problem. What we are to fear is coming short of that rest that God has offered. Then we have Psalm 50, 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. We honor God when we trust Him to handle it. Psalm 102, 17. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. Ever felt destitute? That doesn't mean just financially. You can be destitute, meaning you don't have anything. You're you're you don't even have any ideas. You've tried everything. You're destitute. It might be a family matter, matter, matter might be a health issue, or whatever. If you're destitute, it says to call upon the Lord. Psalm 102, 17. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eight and nine. Concerning this I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. This of course was the Apostle Paul. He had some kind of thorn in the flesh. The Bible doesn't say what it is. There's no use in us to speculate, but something was an ongoing issue that he was taking to the Lord. And isn't this interesting, our Lord, so wise, what he said is, my grace is sufficient for you. What he's saying there is God allows issues to come into your life because what the Lord is trying to do is help you see how sufficient His grace is. He's going to show you. He's not just going to wipe away the problem, which he could, but you wouldn't grow through that. He's going to allow that problem to be an ongoing problem, possibly, because he's going to demonstrate to you your happiness is not is not uh, based on your problem going away. Your your happiness is based on your relationship with me and trusting in me. Have faith that his. His grace is sufficient, and He will see you through it. That reminds us of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. what We have a promise there. We have God's promise that nothing, there is no testing, which is common to man. All of us have testing. There's no testing that is going to be so great that we cannot bear it. Now, this is only for believers who are faith-resting. For believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. For with the testing, He will uh, make a way of escape. He will see us through it. Uh, that's what all of these things are doing. So we have to get out of the mode when we have some kind of adversity. Sometimes I have people call me. A lot of times I have people call me. And I don't even have my name on the card. It's not on the website, but... When people want a pastor bad enough, they're going to get his number, and that's okay. You can call me. I'm not saying you can't. But they call me in a crisis situation, and they they are undone. And all I do is repeat these verses and give them the word. Give them First John, one nine, which will obviously they're in panic palace. They're well, actually, I should say the cosmic compound. Panic doesn't have a palace, it's just got a compound. And they are undone. They're not faith resting. Oh you know, here's the problem. And every time I say, Okay, first of all, are you afraid? Well, I'm concerned. <laughs> when you're concerned enough to call the pastor, you might as well be honest. You're afraid. And that kind of fear is the bad kind of fear. That's not the fair that we are commanded in Hebrews 4.1. And what, what do you do? The noise is not just a noise. It is about to blow their eardrums out, the static in their soul. And what I'm saying, you don't have to call me. You can do this yourself. You can go to these, these verses, go to Hebrews chapter 4, read the first 12 verses, and just listen to it. Let the Word speak to you and use it. Because that rest is still available when? Let's hear it. When? Today. It's available. To who? To you as a believer. And it's available. And you can... You, these are tremendous verses. It's a tremendous God. It's a tremendous plan that He has for us. Quit trying to think that if you could just get rid of the problem that you're going to be happy. Because even if the problem went away, you're not going to be happy. You know why? Because there's another problem in the wings waiting to step right in behind that. And God said, don't worry about the problems. My grace is sufficient. I've given you this place of rest. And all you have to do is take advantage of it because it's available to you today. And all you have to do is trust God for it. When you trust in the Lord... You're thinking about the Lord and you're not thinking about the problem. Get your mind off the problem and onto the Lord and the Lord gets bigger and the problem just starts to shrink. What a wonderful God we have that has made this available and He has revealed it to us in all these great promises. I'd like everyone please to bow your heads now. There might be someone here who doesn't know what I'm talking about. They might not know even if they're saved or not. Our great God has taken care of the sin issue. His Son went to the cross, Jesus Christ, paid for your sins. He was buried, rose again, and now He offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. See, we get back to trust every time. That's the big thing, is believing, trusting, accepting. The moment that you stop trusting in your own works and start believing in Christ's work, His work on the cross, is the day that you're born again. You have God's own righteousness, His own eternal life. Your ticket to heaven is guaranteed and you can settle it right now. Then you can start claiming this rest that is available to us all, all of us believers, even today. Now, Father, we are so grateful. It will take all eternity for us to thank You enough and worship You and just show our gratitude of who and what You are and the plan that You have given us. We pray that we will utilize this in our own life and that we will trumpet it off the rooftop so that others will recognize it's available to them also. We pray that You will challenge us to do that, for we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.